Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, all over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here you. on Church Boy uh, Confessions. Uh. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. What's up with y'all? How's everything going? Hope you guys had a great week. Welcome back to Church Boy Confessions podcast, episode 157, whole 157 of them. Um... Yeah, I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you guys had a great start to this new week. Um, we are back again. I'm back behind this mic in this hot room. You know, the heat was, you know, it actually hasn't been that hot this summer in San Diego, but, you know, it decided to turn up right now. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know what I'm saying? I hope you guys had a great, you know, week. This month is winding down. Um, you know what I'm saying? A lot of us are still in summer vacation if you're in school. You know, hope work has been good. Hope life has been good. Hope your family's been good. Um, We got a lot to talk about today. I will be honest with you. Um, You know, I feel like if you're a Christian, you're on TikTok, you're very much used to people always bashing your faith. People, you know, the questioning is one thing. And I don't think we ever just get like clear questions. I think everybody like has decided that they're against Christianity. And if they don't even even actually understand it. But nevertheless, you know, today's going to be a little different because we're going to kind of be taking these clips from this one like viral like TikTok that that um, caught some fire this past week. And it's this woman that's like questioning, you know, the Christian faith. Well, not she wasn't questioning anything. She was just like being really rude. But we're going to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I want to talk about a couple different angles. I want to touch on as many subjects as she covered as possible. Um, but before we get to that, you know what I'm saying? Announcements, UA Day. We are 26 days away from UA Day. August 26th is actually our uh, like specific anniversary day. But before August 26th, August 20th, Saturday, August 20th, if you're in the Los Angeles era, area, sorry, we are going to be meeting up in person for a day of community and creativity. Um, and honestly, man, I'm very excited. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm really excited to see you, see you guys there. Tell your friends, tell your family, you know, come out, you know, just us young Christian youth having a great day. There's going to be worship. There's going to be art. There's going to be vendors. There's going to be things to do as well. And yeah, I, I'm really looking excited. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm very excited about that. Um, just so you guys know, it, it, it is completely free. Like there is no ticket to purchase. There is no like registration that you have to do. Really just got to show up, show yourself and just have a good time, man. Um so that's we're 26 days away. You're going to be seeing me spamming on Instagram, on my personal and on unassociated. Um, so just prepare yourself for that because that day will not come and you will say that you didn't know. You're going to know. And by God's grace, I'm going to see you that day. Um, yeah, that's 104 Robinson Street in downtown L.A. So looking forward to that. And Bible study is next week. I don't know. That, that sounds like it's so quick. Like we're already about to be in August. But Bible study is next week, next Monday, August 1st, um, 530 p.m. Pacific time. The sign up link is below. I'm going to try and make a sign up that's like always open. So then anybody can sign up whenever they want, because I've had some people ask me, like, where do I sign up? But I always put out a new sign up link for each Bible study for anybody new to come, like, you know, to sign up and subscribe to like the emails like because we send the google meets link through the emails but i'm gonna I'm figure something out i'll put something online like on our website and something like that and so like people can sign up whenever they want but you know bring your people out um i'll let you guys know the topic sometime this week or um but like yeah by by sunday monday i'll definitely know exactly what we're gonna cover so i'm excited for that i'm excited to see you all so now that we got the announcements out the way um Shoot. Oh, yeah. Please like and subscribe, you know, uh, if, if, you guys, if you're watching this on YouTube. And we're going to get to this episode because it's a lot to cover. Buckle up. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I try to keep the episodes under 30 minutes. You guys know I do. I try. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it go a little over 30 minutes. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. So I'm just going to get to it as much as I can. I'm going to cover as much as I can. Um, and I hope that, you know, this episode can be really helpful to people who maybe saw this video and you might have a lot of questions, you know, or maybe... You're someone that commonly has questions that we're going to talk about today. And I, I just hope that I can be some type of resource to you. Um, so let's get this thing going. So, like I said, this past week, I was scrolling past TikTok, you know, minding my business, laughing at different things. And then I stumbled upon it was actually a Christian creator responding to this creator. It's a TikTok creator that has like she's has like mad clout, bro. She almost has like three million followers. 
And what she did was, she, you know, she chose to use her platform and, you know, basically ridicule our faith. Like, I'm not even going to say it like it's in a nice way. Like, you know, like she kind of tried to make it seem like, oh, she's not being disrespectful. Like she's just explaining why it didn't make sense to her. But like, I mean, we, we know what was going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like she was basically explaining her frustration, saying that the faith doesn't make any sense. And she actually had a three part video series to do this um it's really just kind of her ranting um but at the same time if you don't know the answer to the different things like the topic that she was touching on it could definitely be effective and i was going through the comments and i was seeing everybody like clapping it up for her and whatnot and like saying yeah it doesn't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense and for me i'll say this like you know i've come to the place in life where i realize that i'm not infinitely wise and i'm not i don't have all the knowledge about anything so like i'm never too quick to say things that like things don't make sense like chances are when we're talking about a belief system that has been around for over 2000 years or about 2000 years and we're talking about over 2 billion people on this planet currently right now professing to be a part of this belief and if we're talking about that there's literally thousands if not hundreds of thousands of schools and scholars and professors that dedicate their life to studying this belief chances are if it's just you and all you speak to is to other friends that don't believe in jesus and haven't studied the word of god um and you just conclude that things don't make sense i think that that's just being intellectually lazy you know what i'm saying like at at the very end of it i i think that human beings we ought to be more open to learning things at least if you're not open to learning about the christian faith or any religion whatever it might be you know the best thing to do is just like leave it alone like you know what i'm saying but people don't like to do that especially now when it comes to christianity and they want to you know express their frustrations they want to to explain that it doesn't make any sense when you know in reality they just haven't been educated in that right so let's let's actually watch or listen to all of like the clips like i'm gonna put like part one through three all together i'm kind of like blurred out like you know she cussed a lot so i'm gonna try and like cover all like like mute out the cuss words and stuff like that but nevertheless let's watch this clip and then we'll get going Listen, as a former Christian and the pastor's daughter turned spiritual consultant and religious deconstruction advocate, I am not here to challenge the beliefs of anybody. I'm simply here to tell y'all why it never made sense to me. I could never understand how we spent so much time in church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, service after service, dissecting and condemning our egos while completely ignoring God's. Hear me out. God is supposed to be a perfect being. What would be the point in a perfect being creating imperfection? Because a perfect being is not going to create imperfection on accident. Otherwise, they are not perfect, meaning they had to create as a perfect being imperfection on purpose. And some of the scholars I've had this conversation with have said maybe God wanted to study imperfection. what God need to study imperfection for if he's perfect and all-knowing. If you were all-knowing, you would know what imperfection is without ever having to create it. You wouldn't even need to experience it, which leads us down the same pathway of how did he create a whole bunch of angels and not know that they were going to rebel against him in his own house? He did. And then he continued to create them anyways, waited until they rebelled, cast his enemy down into the same place he was going to put his new creation. Did he want us to have a fighting chance or not and if that wasn't bad enough then he commanded and demanded that creation be subservient to him you're all powerful (laughs) what do you need me to do for you i'm giving you all the praise all the glory all the honor all the worship to make you feel good because you have an ego around here telling people don't be envious of one another but i'm a jealous god sir (laughs) why would you even give consciousness the possibility of being able to conjure up somebody else to worship if you ain't want no opposition you created your own opponents in your map no 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 part two of why the christian god has an ego and remember your cognitive dissonance will deactivate your critical thinking when you're triggered so i'm not offending you you're just upset and as always i am not challenging your beliefs i'm simply standing by the
It never made sense to me. Let's talk about free will. You have not been given free will. You have been given an ultimatum. Either you serve me or you spend eternity in suffering. Yes, you got a choice, but you better choose wisely. So if you have free will, then God can't be all-knowing. Because if he was all-knowing, that means he knew you before he made you, as the Bible said. Which means you knew the choices that I was going to make before I made them. Yet you chose to make me anyways. Which means you chose to make me and the choices that I was going to make. Because they're attached to me. They are not separate from me. And all those saying that he gave us free will will so we would have a choice to choose and prove that we love him why does he need proof that we love him when he is supposed to be love sounds more like he created us so we could love him that way he could prove to himself through his creation that he was capable of loving himself are we a failed attempt at self-love which brings up the question are we made in his image or is he made in ours because a perfect being creating imperfection will never calculate outright but imperfect beings attempting to write a story about a perfect being would explain for all the inconsistencies in the belief system. And don't even get me started on how sadistic he is. Should we talk about the sacrifices next? They're gonna be mad at me like I did it, but let's talk about the out-of-pocket sacrifices in the Bible. Part three of why the Christian God has an ego, and remember your cognitive dissonance will deactivate your critical thinking when you're triggered, so I'm not offending you, you are just upset. And as always, I'm not here to challenge anybody's beliefs, I'm simply here to state why the never made sense to me. Minus the obvious fact of why did God need sacrifices in the first place, place because if you made everything why would you not just make more or why wouldn't you figure out a different way of corrective action versus having to kill people but Cain and Abel Abel brings fat from the firstling of his flock Cain brings fruit from the field that God left him to tend and God was like mm, I have no respect for this offering Cain but Abel I'm with it you needed a baby animal to die you didn't like fruit or we could talk about Elisha walking through the city and some children start picking on him talking about baldy baldy so Elijah turns to them and he curses them in the Lord's name and there appeared two female bears that mauled 42 of the boys <laughs> God are you okay we got the good and faithful servant Job minding his business and God was like you know what I think I'm gonna put a bet on his head and all of a sudden started whacking his family job's like god did i do something no remain faithful to me because everything that i take from you i will give it back tenfold why <laughs> was that necessary that's like god killing off your family and being like don't worry i'll give you a new spouse 10 times as many kids for what for what sodom and gomorrah turning lot's wife into a pillar of salt because she looked back at the house that she loved as he destroyed it and the craziest one of all, sending his son to die. He sent him down to the gates of hell to retrieve the keys. Why does hell even have keys? Why did he die for our sins if we were still going to be sinners? Y'all keep saying we made sin with free will. We were predestined before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians 1, 4, to be holy and without blame. So how, how the before y'all say I'm butchering the interpretations that the grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of the Lord standeth forever then the word of the Lord should not be able to be altered or tampered in any sort of format and it has been time and time again so before we start right obviously you know this woman was not being very respectful right um you know she kind of posed it as she's someone who wants to seek answers but the reality is like you know there's a difference between seeking answers and then using a platform where you have so many people and have so much influence to ultimately really degrade an entire belief system um, that you're frustrated with. And I'll be honest with you. I'll be completely honest with you. My first response to this video was to be completely pissed off. Look at me. You know, I, I feel like I appear to be so gracious when I get up on this on this mic and stuff like that. Or maybe I don't. Hopefully I do. But nah, this pissed me off. Like, this was one of those things where you see it on TikTok and like, you're just like thinking about it the rest of the day and you're just mad and you're just like, you know, like coming up with different arguments against her and stuff like that. And I was frustrated. I was frustrated with the fact that this is somebody that has so much influence. You know, I had almost like, last time I looked at it, it was over 400,000 people that liked this thing, I tell you. And all these people that comments, I even saw verified people comments and all this stuff. I'm thinking to myself like, dang. It's like, it's one thing if the thing didn't make sense to you, but it's another thing if you're going to be that disrespectful and like, you know, do everything that she was doing. I mean, the disrespect was, you know, in the tone, it was in the, you know, mockery of it, the, I don't know, just, just utter blatant de degradation of our, of our faith. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of Christian TikTokers reply to her and I do want to say this, when it comes to the mockery, when it comes to the disrespect, believer to believer we have to understand that like it's not going to get any better and i know that sounds so like 
sad and that makes you sound it might make you sound but you know it might sound very frustrating to you but that's just the reality of it like it's not gonna get any better um and jesus told us about this we were warned about this and you know i i just really want to start this episode off like before i even go into talking about the different subjects that you talked about i really want to talk about how we ought to have proper responses to these things i must say that i saw a lot of christian tiktokers stitch her and you know they were arguing like they they presented their points you know they corrected her and all that different stuff but i will say at the same time like I only saw a few Christian creators actually kind of show up in a way of like exhibiting that gentleness of the Holy Spirit and that love of the Holy Spirit. Um, So I think that before I even go into really diving deep into the different subjects that this woman touched on, I need to talk to us as believers and help us to understand that we have an instruction from our God to not go and curse those that are cursing us and not go and degrade those that are degrading us. We have an instruction from our God that we are not supposed to respond with rage and, and, and wrath and do things out of anger, but we need to come and speak truth with love. I understand that they are not speaking truth with, with, or they're not speaking truth, period, but you know, they're, they're, they're speaking whatever they're speaking. They have hate in their heart. They got bitterness in their heart. They're disrespectful. They're condescending and all that different stuff. But you are responsible for yourself. You have a duty given to you by your God, the one that you have given your life to. So do be careful when we make these responses to other people, right? Do be careful not to try and match their energy. We're not in the business of matching, matching their energy. We're not in the business of just trying to argue or to trump other people in debate. We're not here to get back at anyone. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 48. Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who persecute you. Not the ones that just make you mad or annoy you. I'm talking about persecution. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you lose, if you, I'm sorry, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that or like non-believers do not even non-believers do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, we are instructed to bless those that curse us, to love those that persecute us. That is our instruction. For many of us, we want to fight. We want to fight. Right? I really like in verse 47 and 48 when it says, and if you greet only your own people, right? What are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There's a standard that God is calling us to, a standard of perfection and the standard of Christ-likeness. And the reality is, if your aim is to be like Christ, you need to learn how to love your enemies. You need to learn how to respond with love to hatred. You need to learn how to love those that persecute you, that drag you even publicly, I tell you. Because need I remind you, the Christ that we're talking about is the one that while we were yet sinners and enemies of God, came down to offer himself as a sacrifice for us so if you want to be like christ you don't match their energy you match christ's energy to love those that hate you so before we even continue in this in this um episode i'm gonna pray for two things i'm gonna pray for us as believers that God softens our hearts and that God helps us to love those that hate us and i'm also gonna pray for this woman as well. I'm not going to lie. I was mad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a lot of times we get reluctant to pay for people that disagree with us or that, that really disrespect us or what we believe in. But nevertheless, we have an instruction, ladies and gentlemen. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this episode. I thank you so much for this time, this platform to even speak about things like this. And I pray, Lord, you help us as believers, oh God, soften our hearts, Lord, towards our enemies, oh God. Help us to love those that hurt us. Help us to love those that persecute us, oh God, so we can be more like you. All the frustration and anger that we have, Lord, let us be able to put it to the side, God. And through the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to be able to do the things that you've instructed us to do, which is to speak truth with love, not with anger, not trying to trump other people, not just trying to debate. But Father God, so that people will even see us, see you through us. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray for this woman, Jasmine, that you bless her, oh God. 
And honestly, Lord, that if there's something that you want her to know, something that you want to share with her, oh God, make it clear to her, oh God. Show yourself to her um, and help her to even be open to knowing you um, and to knowing your son, oh God. And I just pray for her life and I pray for her repentance and I, I pray for her well-being as well, Lord, um, that you just keep her and bless her uh, and help her in, in life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So let it be known. I never get behind this mic to bash any human being. The only person I'll bash is Satan himself. Today, I don't get behind this mic to bash this woman, Jasmine. Um... But I do get behind this mic to clear up some confusion. So we're going to get into it. You know, I wanted at first I wanted to start off this episode by trying to like. I wanted to do this episode by like answering every subject that she like named off. But that's not even realistic. Like that's like a whole like two, three hour Bible study type of thing. Cause You know, it takes 30 seconds to ridicule somebody's faith, you know, but then it takes like a whole hour to actually explain somebody's faith. So. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to start off by like, you know, just like, I'm gonna play a clip of something that she said that like a subject, and then I'm gonna try and answer it in like less than like two minutes. Um, and then like, I have like five different things that she said that I really want to touch on. But then the real thing that I want to touch on is like that opening, like this kind of like overarching theme that she has that like, why on earth did God who's supposed to be perfect, create imperfect things. And her talking about how God is egotistical. I'm going to touch mostly on that, but let's start off with just some like more rapid fire, like, well, not rapid fire. I'm, you know, I'm gonna try and answer these as quick as possible, but let's just start off with like this clip right here. You around here telling people don't be envious of one another, but I'm a jealous God, sir. So here, um, she says that, you know, God says, Hey, he tells us don't be envious of other people. Um, but then he says that he's a jealous God. Like, how does that make any sense? Um, it's very important that we do not conflate jealousy with envy. Jealousy and envy are not the same thing. Um, a way that I can explain it is that envy, when you think of envy, think of covetousness. Like, you, somebody else has something that you want, right? You have that covetousness. So then you envy them because they have something that you want. When we talk about jealousy, we're talking about you have something in your own possession. And now your possession of that something is being threatened by a third party, right? Um, a really good analogy that I heard from one TikTok creator, God bless her heart. Her name is Lana. Um, and her at is L-A-L-O-N-E-S. And she gave us like this analogy of like a husband and a wife, right? And like the wife is now jealous because her possession, her relationship with her husband is now being threatened by, let's say, a stranger, loose woman that's trying to seduce her husband. Now, you don't vilify the woman for being, you know, jealous or the wife for being jealous of the fact that, you know, this other woman is taking her man. You know what I'm saying? And the same way you wouldn't vilify God for being a jealous God. He created us. He breathed life into us. He paid our price with his sacrifice. We belong to God. So when idols take us away from God or when we literally leave God in order to worship idols or to worship whatever or do whatever we want to do, even worship ourselves, God is a jealous God because his possession of us has now been threatened by a third party. Let's go to the next clip. Let's talk about free will. You have not been given free will. You have been given an ultimatum. Either you serve me or you spend eternity in suffering. Yes, you got a choice, but you better choose wisely. So it's important to know that free will... Um, and having an ultimatum is not opposites, you know, like you can have free will and also have an ultimatum because you can have free will to make a choice and also have consequences to each of the choices that you make. I mean, that's literally living in America or living in any government system that has laws, right? I can freely choose to go and do something that I'm not supposed to do right now. And guess what? If I get caught doing it, then I have to pay the price. That doesn't mean that I didn't have the free will to choose to do what I wanted to do. Um, so that one's kind of easy. Um, you can choose to do whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that you always get to choose the consequences. And just having consequences for your choices does not mean that you do not have free will. Let's go to the next one. And if that wasn't bad enough, then he commanded and demanded that creation be subservient to him. You're all powerful. <laughs> what do you need me to do for you? So... You know, some people might ask, why does God need us to worship him? God does not need you to worship him. Sorry if that's been miscommunicated at any point in anybody's life. God does not need you to worship him. He doesn't need anything from anybody. Like, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. Why would you?
would you even give consciousness the possibility of being able to conjure up somebody else to worship if you ain't want no opposition? Right. So um, so she's, she asked, like, why would God allow us or really give us the ability to even be able to ideate other idols, ideate other things to worship? And I feel like when we ask questions like this, we also have to think about, like, we're essentially asking that why didn't God make us like robots to where like he can control everything that we think about? Like, you know, we can't think about anything that he doesn't want us to think about. Um, and, you know, I feel like if you're asking why didn't God make us robots? I mean, I I, I don't want to be a robot. Like, I, 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 we can get into the whole concept of, you know, us needing to have free will in order to us to have a genuine relationship with him. But, yeah, God has given us the... Um, the grounds or he's given us the capacity to not choose him. Um, I think that this is kind of like one of those things where it's kind of, if you're going to judge God unfairly, it's kind of danged if you do danged, if you don't like, if God didn't give us the freedom to not choose him, you know, we would say that he was a tyrant, but then God gives us the freedom to choose other things. And then we say that God's not making any sense, but we're going to get, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk more about that in a second. Let's go to the next one. This is the last one. Before y'all say I'm butchering the interpretations, if the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord standeth forever, then the word of the Lord should not be able to be altered or tampered in any sort of format. And it has been time and time again. Huh, everybody and they mama, everybody and they mama makes this same claim. The Bible's been changed so many times. It's been tampered. Oh, I'm not trying to make fun of her, but like, this is just what people be saying. Like, the Bible's been changed so many times. The Bible's been tampered with so many times. Oh, how could you believe in the Bible has been changed? Bro, the one way to just end that, end that entire conversation is just ask that person, what was that change in the Bible that really caused you to just, you know what? I can't believe this. I can't take this seriously. And nine times out of 10, that person has nothing to say. You know why? Because everybody wants to say that, oh, they changed the Bible like, oh, so many times, so many times you can't trust it. But no one actually really studies how the Bible has been changed. And the reality is there are people who have studied why the, how the Bible has been changed over time. And the reality is I've even done my own little bit of studying as well. I'm not the best, like the biggest scholar, but I've done my own research as well. And the reality is this, ladies and gentlemen, for anybody who might be insecure about the Bible being changed over time, I need you to understand this. There is nothing, there is no change or not enough change that has happened throughout the, the, the history of the Bible existing that takes away from the fundamental doctrine of Christianity, which is Jesus Christ crucified, which is we have a relationship with the Father when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. He resurrected, so on and so on and so on. People love to just run with this idea, but like they just honestly, I feel like you have some people that don't believe in God, but then you also have some people that don't believe in God and actively try to support their disbelief by propping up all these different justifications. Oh, the Bible has been changed so many times. When you actually have studied how the Bible has been changed, I just can't say, personally, let me say it like this. I can't say that there is enough to where, well, I can even say this. There is not enough. <laughs> For someone to say that I don't understand the gospel, there's not enough for someone to say that the gospel is fake. There's not enough to say much of anything. I'll be quite honest with you. Most of it, most of it is textual variance. Most of it is scribal errors. There are some things that have happened in history that we came to find out. So then we acted accordingly. Like you can research the Johannine comma. Um, but the reality is, man, the doctrine, the fundamental doctrine of Christianity is there and it has been there and it's going to continue to be there. You can't run from that one. You can't hide from that one. That's just the reality of it. You can try to act like the reason why you don't believe is because the Bible has been changed so many times. But I need you to understand that it's not an excuse. I tell you because it's not. And you, you, when you actually research, it, you're going to realize it's not that big of an impact. Um, no, no big impact has been made that much to where you can't understand the gospel. Um, no big impact is enough to where you shouldn't trust this reliability. Um, and man, like just, I, I want to tell you that that excuse is not going to work now because God forbid you try to use that excuse when you stand before God in the judgment seat. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of like already at 23 minutes. <laughs> um, but now we're going to get into like actually answering, um, the questions that I really wanted to answer from, um, this creator's, uh, entire video series. So we're going to play this clip again, and then I'm going to get into it. Hear me out. God is supposed to be a perfect being. What would be the point in a perfect being creating imperfection? Because a perfect being is not going to create imperfection on accident. Otherwise, they are not perfect, meaning they had to create as a perfect being imperfection on purpose. 
So, um, this creator says that it doesn't make any sense that a perfect God would make imperfect beings. That imperfection would come from perfection. Like, any way you put it, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would he make us imperfect and all that different stuff? And, like, I think that this is a really good question, actually. Like, this is a really good question that takes some time to answer. So, we're going to answer it. And the first thing we have to talk about is what exactly do we mean by God made man imperfect, right? When we're talking about this imperfection, we're talking about a moral imperfection. God did not make mankind morally perfect, obviously, because Adam and Eve chose to eat of forbidden fruit that they were not supposed to, right? Um, so they didn't have moral perfection. Adam and Eve were perfectly clean. They had no sin. They were free from sin, but they were morally imperfect. They carried the capacity to make wrong decisions. They carried the capacity to do what they wanted aside from what God wanted them to do. William Lane Craig, a famous apologist, he put it like this, and I really like the way he put it. it. Adam and Eve were not morally perfect, but they were morally innocent. God chose to make mankind morally innocent. And I think it, it makes things more clear when we swap out the term morally imperfect or imperfect for morally innocent. I think that that helps us to understand things better. Because um, ultimately what happens is that Adam and Eve, they're morally innocent. And then they're presented with God's word, which is what is right when God told them, don't eat of the fruit, for in that day you will surely die. And then they're presented with the devil's word, which was wrong and which was a lie. When the devil tells them, oh, you're not surely going to die, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, you're just going to be like God and all this different stuff, really just tricking them into deception and rebellion. And ultimately, Adam and Eve chose the wrong thing. So the question is, why did God make them morally innocent rather than morally perfect? It looks like if it was more, they're morally perfect, we would have skipped out on all of that nonsense. He's a perfect God. Why didn't he make morally perfect human beings that knew not to, you know, fall for all these tricks of the serpent? Just automatically just had that in them, always choosing what's right, always choosing, you know, the, the right path and so on. Now, it doesn't say so explicitly in Scripture, to my knowledge. However, we can make some more like, you know, philosophical assumptions. Some things that we need to ask ourselves is what exactly does it even mean to be morally perfect? Does that mean that we now have our ability to make wrong choices taken away? And if that's the case, then how does that how does that go with free will? Like, do we still have free will if we don't have the capacity to make wrong choices? Before I dive deeper into, you know, answering that question, there is something that we need to understand as a prerequisite to answering that question. And I think this is going to make things really clear. We're going to talk about the nature and the character of God. So turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And it reads, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Sorry, there's no darkness at all. I'm sorry putting words in there. God is light and there's no darkness. And, and in him, there is no darkness at all. Right? God is light. There is no darkness in him. God is good, which is really to say God is good. And there is no evil in him. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. The reason why, the reason why so many people think that God is egotistical and think he's tyrannical and thinks he's toxic is because they've yet to understand this right here, this concept. God is light and there is no darkness in him. God is good and there is no evil in him. We say God is good all the time. We say God is good whenever we get a blessing. We say God is good whenever we get an accomplishment or an achievement. You know, we're on a stage. God is good. But I don't think as many people understand what it means by God is good. I'm talking about God is the standard. God is the definition. In his very nature, he is good. He is the I am that I am. In his very nature, he is holy. In his very nature, he is righteous. In his very nature, he is just. In his very nature, he is perfect. When you understand that this is God is good. Not just describing his character, but in his nature, he is good. Then you also can understand that to reject God is not the same thing as rejecting your friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a guy or a girl or your mother or your father. It's not the same thing as rejecting a human or a situation or an outcome. To reject God 
To deny God, to ignore God is to reject, deny and ignore what is good is to reject, deny and ignore good. A lot of people are going to say, whoa, 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 slow your road. No, you're absolutely wrong about that one, Emmanuel. Just because I don't follow your God does not mean that I am evil. You know, a lot of people say I'm still a good person, even though I'm not a Christian. I love people. I even love people more than Christians love people. And I'm an atheist or I'm a Satanist because <laughs> people are Satanists nowadays, apparently. Um, people say, I don't believe in God and I have morals and ethics. So you're wrong, Emmanuel. I don't believe in God and I still have a good life with good people around me, eating good food, having great experiences. You know, all these responses, I must say, are obsolete. They mean nothing to what I just said. And why do they mean nothing to what I just said? It's because God is the standard of good. He is the definition of good. He is the foundation of objective morality and ethics. If you disagree with God on what is good, then essentially what you are doing is disagreeing with good on what is good because God is good in his very nature. He is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So if you're going to say that, oh, what I'm doing is good, quotations, that means that that good thing that you're doing is only good based on your opinion until it's actually been confirmed to align with God. And of course, we have scripture to support this. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says a man, I'm sorry, a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Understanding God's nature even helps us to understand the existence of hell. People hate the idea of hell. Even sometimes it can make me uncomfortable as well. So if I reject God, that means he's going to punish me? So many of us think that. If I reject God, that means he's going to send me to hell. What? Why can't I just reject him and live the good life that I'm living? See, but there is no good life. <laughs> God is good. There is no good life. Without God. And, you know, people are going to misunderstand me. They're going to say, well, you're wrong because I don't believe in God. And I still have a good life with good people and good things happen to me. But need I remind you, one of the first things we read today was Matthew chapter 5. Was four, um, Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to look at verse 45 where it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I want to introduce you guys to maybe a phrase that you haven't heard before. It's called common grace. Of all humans on this earth, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, there is something called common grace that God distributes to all mankind indiscriminately, whether you follow him or you not. There's some level of grace that he gives to everybody. That means that no human alive today has actually experienced what it means to not be a benefactor of God's grace in some capacity. I'm not talking about grace unto salvation. I'm talking about grace in just as it is, right? Every good thing, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Whether you are a believer or you're not a believer, if it's good and perfect, it has come from God, I'm telling you. So every human being has experienced God's goodness and God's love in some type of way. That's just, that's just the reality of it. The moment one actually stops experiencing God's grace, God's common grace is not when they're here on earth, is when they have now come before the judgment seat of God. And by God's grace, I pray that this never happens to anybody that is listening to this podcast right now, in Jesus' name. And the judgment seat of God, if you have not made yourself right by believing in Christ, or if Christ has not made you right because you didn't believe in him, rather, Jesus is going to tell you, depart from me. I never knew you. And when you depart from him then into hellfire, really, his grace is no longer extended. You depart from him, you are departing from good. And you go to hell, a place that is not good, where there is no good. Now it's starting to make sense. Also, a lot of people will say God is egotistical. All he wants us to do is worship him. What? Such an egotistical human. I'm not a human being. Isn't God such an egotistical person? Because he always wants us to worship him. And that's all he wants us to do. Give him all the praise, all the glory, all the worship. Really? To help your ego? I mean, it sounds egotistical. 
But once again, we have to understand that God's not egotistical. You just don't know him and you don't know who he is in his very nature. If God truly is the definition of good and he's the definition of righteousness, he's the definition of holiness, he's the definition of perfection. The right thing to do is to worship him. That's the right thing to do. And don't get it twisted and act like you're not a worshiper. Every human being is worshiping something. So the real question to ask here is, why do you see it fit to worship something that is not perfect and good and righteous and holy? That's the answer that we, that's the question that we need to answer. God is good. God is righteous. God is perfect. What excuse would one have to not align themselves with something that is this, that is this in its very definition? There's nothing egotistical about God calling us to align ourselves and worship what is good, righteous, perfect, just, holy in its very nature, which is him. And I honestly find it so interesting how so many of us are so entitled to where we think <laughs> that we, ha we can have something aside from God. You mean the God that put the breath in your lungs? The God that gave you life? Breaking up with God. Do you know what it would mean to, you know, you break up with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, when they take their stuff, you know what I'm saying? But you break up with God. You know the type of, you know the stuff that God now <laughs> takes back? Like if you actually want to reject God and have nothing to do with him. Let's start with the breath in your lungs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, now that we've established the very nature of God to be good. Let's revisit this question that we were asking before. Why did God make mankind morally innocent rather than morally perfect? Now, I've heard a couple of different ways, maybe little tweaks here and there on how to answer this question. So this is the, the answer that I'm going to offer, right? One thing we need to know that it is very clear that God wanted to create a people that had the capacity to freely choose him or to not choose him. That's what he wanted. And I think we can understand that. What relationship that we truly have in life was forced? Is it love? Is it really love? If it's forced, if the person doesn't even have the capacity to not choose you, is that real genuine? But nevertheless, it's clear that God wanted to create a people that had the capacity to freely choose him or to not choose him. Now, if God were to have created mankind morally perfect, mankind would always and only choose what is good, right? Now, if mankind were to only choose what is good, always and only choose what is good, and God is good in his very nature, then that means we would always and only choose God. So if God created us to always and only choose him, <laughs> then that would not be the exact same thing as freely choosing him now, would it? So now we see that if God wanted to create a people that had the capacity to choose him or to not choose him to make us morally perfect to where we'd always choose good, it's not the way to do that. If God wanted to create a people that had the capacity to freely choose him or to not choose him, and we understand that God is good in his very nature, then he would then we can have, understand that he would have to create a people that had the capacity to choose good or to not choose good to choose good or to choose evil so god made us morally innocent having the capacity to do right and the capacity to do wrong to make the choices that we want to make freely he knew we had the capacity to mess up. He knew we had the capacity to doom ourselves, which is the reason why before the foundations of the earth, he set a plan in motion. Yes, before the foundations of the earth. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 touches on it. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast, talking about the Antichrist. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Of course, talking about Jesus. Why do they refer to Jesus as a lamb that was slaughtered before the world was made? Is because God had already set a plan in motion. 
The Bible teaches us that God set a plan in motion from the very beginning to redeem us after the fall and the many falls that came after. Today we can argue and can say, oh no, God shouldn't have done it that way. He should have done it the other way. Oh, he shouldn't have done it. He should have done it the other way, not that way. And I, you know, we can make as much disagreements as we want to make. You know what I'm saying? But the reality is God's way is perfect and he is perfect in his judgment. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the wisdom. I'll tell you that much. But one thing I do want to tell everybody today. If there's something that does not make sense to you, if God does something that does not make sense to you or he says something that does not make sense to you, the first thing you need to do is humble yourself. You are not infinitely wise and you are not infinitely knowledgeable. And we've all been in this situation where we saw somebody do something with no backstory, no information, no knowledge. And we said that makes absolutely no sense why that person would do that. But then later on, we got the backstory. Later on, we got more information. Later on, we got more knowledge that we didn't have before. And then we started to realize, wow, what that person did made all the sense in the world. And that's how we ought to be with God. I'll tell you right now, as a believer, eight years, this became eight years earlier this month. As a believer, God has done many things in my life. When it happened, it made no sense. Even it looked like God let me down. But later on, when I had more knowledge and when I had more wisdom, I understood, oh, so that was God looking out. God was looking out. We got to get to know God. We got to get to know God. You know what I'm saying? A lot of this relationship has to do with trust. A lot of this relationship has to do with knowing him so then we can put our trust in him. You know what I'm saying? Because when he doesn't give us reasons as to why he does everything or he doesn't give us reasons as to why, you know, he says certain things, we just got to trust that, hey, you know what? You know, I've seen this God do amazing things in my life. I've seen this God, you know, you know, do make the craziest miracles happen. I trust him in his character. I know that he loves me, so I'm just going to trust him altogether. But, um, you know, I, I echo the thing that I said before, man. As believers, let's teach, you know, let's not bite back. Let's not bite back. And they're going to keep on biting, and they're going to bite harder. And I really just pray that God help you. You know what I'm saying? God help us to just build that tolerance. You know what I'm saying? You know, I I don't want I don't want to be doing this stuff like I don't, you know, it sucks that Christians are so, man, we're just so disrespected. And I know that you have some Christians that are, you know, or professing Christians or real Christians. I can't tell you which one they are. They just do terrible things that are so messed up, you know. But what's interesting to me is that, like. We understand why generalizing groups of people are bad in other contexts, but everyone wants to generalize Christianity to be the same people. Like, if you generalize a group of black people or generalize a group of any ethnic people, you're automatically racist. And as you should be, because that's messed up. But then when we all generalize Christians, I'm talking, there's literally over 2 billion professing Christians on this planet. But people still feel the need to try and generalize Christians and generalize Christianity and fuel that as their hatred for Christianity. And I think that if you do that, you're a childish human being. I do. I think that you don't have empathy. I think that one should be able to recognize that, hey, there are some people, you know, they call them evangelicals nowadays. <laughs> I don't know. I hate that they call them evangelicals. Like, hey, there are these group of evangelicals that are doing some messed up stuff. But I also recognize that, hey, there's also a, a, lo a whole bunch of young Christians or old Christians that are really loving people that I've experienced in my life. I'll tell you right now, man. How long ago was it when everybody was, you know, trying to bash Islam for 9-11 and all these terrorist attacks that were going on? Even to this day, people have to deal with Islamophobia. I don't agree with Islam. I don't agree with Muslim. I don't agree with none of that stuff. I don't I don't agree but even I, being a Christian, I, I know that it would be wrong for me to just try and generalize that all those people have a certain behavior to do evil things like terrorism. I have people who are Muslim in my life, and I love these people. 
And I don't generalize these people. You know why? Because I'm an adult. So all these people that want to generalize Christians and say, oh, Christian of that, Christian of this, Christian of that, Christian of that. Man, like, you know, just... There's there's some maturity that there's some maturing there's there's some maturing that needs to happen right there. Don't stoop down to that level. Be that light for them. Be that light that they cannot they cannot move forward with a clear conscience trying to bash Christianity because before they could even say it out their mouth they think of uh oh ah uh, if I say that I'll offend Emmanuel I know Emmanuel's one of the good one of the good Christians Emmanuel's one of those good guys I I can't say that Christians are like this because Emmanuel. Emmanuel did it correctly. You know what I'm saying? That should be our goal. But I'm done. I'm talking year off. But I love you guys, man. Um, I hope that this episode could help. I hope that it can answer some clear things. Make sure you guys are praying for these people that don't know the truth. Praying for these people that um, do not believe in Jesus and stuff like that. We have to pray. We should be praying. You know what I'm saying? Um, the devil be blinding people. Like, that's the reality of it, too. The devil be blinding people, but... Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for this episode. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your goodness and your wisdom and your your blessing and our capacity to even understand, oh God. Um, I pray you please help us to just be your light and be your proper representat- representatives, oh God, which also means that we ought to love those that curse us, to love our enemies, love those that persecute us, oh God. Help us to do that. Give us that heart that can love our enemies because we can't do it without you, Lord. And I pray for everybody that's lost, that's blind, Lord, that are frustrated, that are mocking and 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 just, you know, being really rude towards us, oh God, that they come to repentance, oh God. Help open their eye, open their eyes, oh God. Help them to see, Lord. Father, I pray against the blindness of the enemy over them, Lord Jesus. I recognize that we're not we're not wrestling, we're not battling against flesh and blood. But God, I just pray, Lord, that you help them, Lord. Help them to see, help them to understand. Soften their hearts to receive you. Soften their hearts to receive your word. And and help us to do our part in evangelism, with evangelism and with just walking the proper walk, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. I love you guys. I love you guys. Hope you guys have an amazing, amazing week. Um, UA Day, 26 days away, like I said. Um... Make sure y'all come out, man. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to celebrate together. Four years of ministry, yo. Four years. Four years, bro. Like and subscribe. Send it to somebody who needs to see this and needs to hear this. Um, Y'all have a blessed, blessed week.